Hi, everybody. Tommy Young here, former referee. I just want you to know you're with Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. All right, folks, welcome, welcome, welcome to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. My man Jimmy across the street. And that is a one, two, two, a welcome, 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 a one, two, three for this episode because we got one of the greatest people to ever count to three. And we're talking about Tommy Young, Jimmy. Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm stoked. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm saying stoked more now. Everybody knows yeah, that's this. part now. of the yes. it's like it's part of the lexicon. But no, I mean it, it, I booked this one, right? I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very like, you know, when you bring someone to the table, you know, you want to bring like, hey, Wolfie, I think I can get us this guy, this guy, whatever. Right. But when you bring Tommy Young, man, come on. Yeah. That, that shows you I'm in this to win this, brother. So <laughs> you got some good ones under your belt, bro. Well, I'm trying, brother. You know, I'm trying, man. I'm I'm trying to be, you know, learn the ways of the of the Booker man, you know. So <laughs> but yeah, the one, two, three. He's not just the false count guy either, like these guys. That's all the guys are in there for now is to make the false count. So that's really make the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> false yeah. One. You know what two. I uh, I think it was Matt Mania was the game where the it was Tecmo uh, Matt Mania where the referee would go one two three. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I didn't just I didn't, but now I do. Yes, I definitely remember. Yeah, that. I used to love that man. I used to love that game. First of all, but you spend yeah. all my money that I could get when I was younger to go. We'd go walk up to the bowling alley, Brunswick Bowling Alley in Antioch, Tennessee, uh, next to the Quick Sack. If anybody's from around there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I never, I never really. I mean, I yeah, I went bowling there, but. I'd always walk up there, me and my buddies, to go play the wrestling games, man, or video games. But usually it was wrestling because they had the uh, – I can't remember the name of it. It was one of the first real good ones, though, like the Big Boss Man, Hulk Hogan. WrestleMania, I think. is what Probably. I think that might have been the name of it. Yeah. Right? It was so a great game. Out of that. And Dude, then that, the other bowling alley, yeah. Tusculum Bowling Alley on Knowlesville Road there, uh, had the Matt Mania that I loved the most. That's still a great game. That mania is great, man. Yeah, it's absolutely great. Yeah. My brother and I, we we wore that out. We wore the WrestleMania game out. We went to the Bristol Mall there. And at the Bristol Mall, there was two floors. It was just your classic regular 80s, 90s mall. You know yeah. what I mean? And then downstairs near the, the theater, there was an arcade. And that arcade probably took a small fortune from me and my brother just because of all the games we played in there and man i tell you i love both of those games i love the turtles <laughs> game the x-men game yeah, yeah. yeah the wrestling yeah. game was the bomb man i loved it <laughs> well let's see what mr tommy young has to say and you know i'm gonna go ahead and do it one more time but i really think you should dub over me here and give me the one two three <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in after these messages <laughs> hey folks to get your official live and in color with wolfie d merchandise go to pro forward slash live wolfie d check it out
If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcasts and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. How you doing, Tom? Good. Good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Recovering from uh, hip replacement. <laughs> oh, I, I had one of those. I, they had to replace my uh, my left hip. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Out. Like all the all the boys and anybody in the business, it's always the left hip, you know? Well, the toughest part, you know, about getting that done is, you know, the, going through the rehab. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> because, I mean, they put mine in about 10 years ago, and... Mm-hmm. Thank God they did, because I've been perfect ever since. I mean, before I had the surgery, I was walking around like Quasimodo. (laughs) Wow. It it was bad. I mean, and it's funny because I'm left-handed, and when I used to dive over the guys and, you know, hit the mat and count, I was landing on my right hip, and it was my left hip that had to be replaced. So was my it, right hip must was be my arthritis. Thing. I don't know what's that. <laughs> so was it from arthritis that they had to replace it? No, I don't. I don't know what it was. I I'm, all I know is it broke down and I could hardly walk when they replaced yeah. it, and I've been fine ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. So mine was something called uh, a avascular necrosis, meaning my hip joint wasn't getting enough blood flow, and the ball joint there, it, it the bone was dying. So that's where all my pain was coming from. Plus, the cartilage was all jacked up too. But yeah, it was crazy. But it's it's getting better now. About five weeks out of surgery, and I can I'm on the cane and not the walker no more. I can take a few steps by myself and everything. So it's it's getting better. Are you heavy or is uh, are you light, heavy, uh, trim? What what are you? <laughs> out of shape would be one, but no, um, I'm six one, about two fifty, which is usually about my normal weight. Just my my belly's got so a little bigger. So you're big, and, and that's extra. That's exactly. extra uh, on your hip. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. nowhere near that size. I'm pretty pretty close to what I was when when I repped. I was very very meticulous about not putting on too much weight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been concerned about that. So that helped that I wasn't yeah. all that heavy, but my, in my case, it was a very successful operation. I'm glad I did it. And it's yeah. been about 10 years now and so far so good. That's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. And you were looking great, man. I thought you looked great the other day, brother. I was like, that's Tommy young. He, he could still do it. <laughs> No, I wish I could, but I can't because right, right. I I, yeah. I would get more calls to do stuff, but uh, I I just you know it's not worth it. I mean, I uh, what's his name? Uh, the big guy, uh, Thompson um, Conrad. Yeah, Conrad. Conrad. Yeah, he he called me because he he booked me in a show in uh, Schenectady, Illinois, about four or five years ago that was very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, awesome. when they had yeah. the, well, when they had the fan fest here in Charlotte, first mm-hmm. with Greg Price and then later on with Marty out of New York, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was just in the one hotel and maybe three, four, five, six hundred people. But that mm-hmm. thing in, uh, in Ohio, uh, Illinois, they yeah. had to use three hotels wow. to, to bring everybody. I mean, it was 
packed. Yeah. Uh, just, I've never seen, and I haven't been to that many fan fests, just the ones in Charlotte mainly. So that was different yeah. for me, but I, I was very impressed with that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little heavy now. I mean, I went to start and I'm Catholic and, and I like to give up stuff, even though I'm an old fart, you sure. know, and, and yeah. uh, so it, it, it trimming me down. But, but, but like I said, you know, if I would, if I would referee, I would get more bookings. And he called me last year and asked me to do the flair comeback match in, in Nashville. Yeah. And, and I was very flattered that he asked me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the champ that told me to do that. And incidentally, whenever I say the champ, I'm talking about Ric Flair. I mm-hmm. I don't yeah. call him anything but what to me he is, and that's the champ. Yeah. Amen. And, uh, Amen. But any but anyway, you know, I uh, back then I was uh, 75. I'm 76 now. I'm mm-hmm. two years older than the champ is, and <laughs> um, you know the the artificial hip, and I still got the the 25 percent disability in my neck which was mm. the reason that i was knocked out of wrestling right and, yeah, and about one, that. let me ask you about that so that was it was rotundo and, and tommy rich in a match and tommy showed you were, were, was that supposed to happen was he supposed to throw you down he was supposed to shove me okay See, this wasn't even a finish Right. This was a spot in the match right uh corny set it up jim Cornette, mm. and um and they wanted to see in the NWA, if you throw somebody over the top rope, it was automatic PQ. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to work a deal where uh, Mike uh, dumped Tommy over the top rope, but they didn't want me to see it, of course. Uh, it was just a spot during the match. So yeah. what we were supposed to do, and you can pull it up on YouTube. I think the match is still on there. Yeah, I, I actually just watched it. I just watched it about 30 minutes ago. Yeah, uh, Tommy is, uh, you know, making a comeback, pounding Mike on the ropes. And I'm like, come on, Tommy, come on, get off him and get up. And finally, I have to pull him off him. And I'm walking him back, which is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because while I'm walking him back, Mike is getting up to his feet. And Tommy's Mm kind of looking over my shoulder at Mike. Mm -hmm. And when Mike gets, you know, get all the way up, Tommy's supposed to just, oh, get out of my way. Just shove me in the back, which keeps me going the same way I was going, you know. But if you notice, he puts his uh, size 15 foot out. And he trips me. Trips you. Oh. And, and, you know, I was walking him backwards, as you can see in the tape. And by that time, we're pretty close to the ropes. Uh-huh. And when he tripped me, that that completely uh, knocked me. I didn't expect the trip. And, and I lost my body. And I was, right. I'm falling forward and I'm falling down at the same time. Right. So when something like that is going to happen, almost anybody's going to try to get their arms up to protect their head, their face, you know? Well, I was too close to the ropes to get my arms up in time. They went through the ropes Mm -hmm. and I took the middle rope right between the eyes, you know, that indentation that's, you know, a little lower than the forehead and where it's just perfect. I mean, a little higher, it would have slid off, you know, the top of my head, a little yeah. lower, it might've broken my jaw or something, but not nothing like what it did. Yeah. But I took it right between the eyes and, and I, all my weight was coming down on it. And it's just a bad, bad whiplash, hyperextension. 
Yeah. And um, and next thing I know, I I heard this awful, and, and mm-hmm. what the hell was that? Mm. And we were doing TV, so we had a studio audience. We were doing the uh, taping at the center stage in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I remember going down, and I remember, and the whole room was just humming. Yeah. And and uh, I remember I was facing the audience, away from the guys, mm-hmm. and I and I knew immediately I was hurt badly. I didn't yeah. know how badly, but I knew I was hurt because I didn't feel a thing. There was no pain, no pain at all, because I didn't feel anything. And I I never want to be in that situation again for just a few moments, or I don't know how long it was, one two minutes maybe. I don't know. I was totally quadriplegic. I was, I was looking at my body, but I wasn't in it. it it's the strangest feeling. Hmm. I don't ever want to experience it again. Yeah. But, uh, and, and what happened, uh, you don't see it on the tape. He trips me and I go out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and a little before that, uh, Kevin Sullivan and uh, Jim Ross were doing the commentary. The lights dimmed. I don't know what that problem I was. was. Ask that too is like it almost seemed when I was watching. I was like the light because the lights went out or whatever the before it happened, and then it did it again and stuff. And when it happened be- before, I was like, that's kind of a bad omen right there. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know if that was the reason that I missed the rope. I don't know. It all happened so fast. I got a small settlement from the building for the lights, uh, but. But anyway, it, it paralyzed me and goodbye career. Man, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just want to go back for a second. We we got Tommy Young on the show. One of the, <laughs> a lot of people say that one of the greatest, if not the greatest referee in pro wrestling history. That's, a, you know, a lot of people will say that about you. I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jimmy definitely will. Thank Jimmy you. Definitely Thank will. you. <laughs> and see, I, I came up watching Memphis, and that's where I got my break. So Jerry Calhoun. Oh, Jerry's <laughs> area, yeah. Good <laughs> old Jerry. TBS it's okay to be that. wrong sometimes. Wolfie, so. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's it's, like right the whole, it's, it's the whole Lance Russell and Gordon Soley argument. Yeah. Bob Cottle <laughs> for me, though. Bob Cottle for me. Now, those two, Gordon Soley and Bob Cottle, <laughs> I love them both. Two of the yeah. greatest guys I've ever known, and two of the greatest commentators i think bob cottle was still with us i think yeah. he's in raleigh uh and and uh I, I loved him to death great guys gordon had a little bit of a problem with the bottle but that did not cause any <laughs> trouble with his uh with with his commentary but uh, great guys both of them love them to death if you don't mind i want to go back to that match for just a second but let's let's finish that one off uh Here's what I saw, too, and I was like, oh, dang. You know, Rotunda, I guess, didn't know you were really hurt. And when he covers Tommy, and then he kicks you in the butt really hard, I was like, oh, man. And then he came over and tried to grab you. I'm like, no, don't touch him. (laughs) What what actually happened, guys? What actually uh, happened? I didn't see it, of course, because I was facing the audience. But what must have happened was when Tommy shoved me. See, Tommy didn't even know he hurt me. He had no idea. He never turned around. He wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to. He was looking at Mike. So when he did that, he stepped. He must have stepped between me and Mike. So Mike didn't see it either because Tommy was in the way. Neither one of them knew what happened. Yeah. Because you'll see that they continue to wrestle. 
Yeah. And I'm laying there, and Ke- and Kevin's saying, my gosh, we're getting ready to go into total darkness here because the lights got even darker. Yeah. And 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 uh, anyway, they uh, you know I was supposed to be there for the count. Because, you know, like I said, uh, Tommy shoves me and then he goes yep. after Mike. Mike dumps him over the top rope. Well, they get back mm-hmm. in the ring and they're, and then Mike covers Tommy and there ain't no Tommy Young. And yeah. he said, Tommy, get over here. And, and he, and he, you see him boot me in the ass there. Yeah. And, um, and I, I'm trying to whisper cause I don't want to expose the profession. Right. Like, I'm trying, Mike, I can't move. I can't move. So Mike, you see him get off of Tommy and he rolls me over on my back because I'm laying on my side. Yeah. I'm facing the audience. And he rolls me over on my back. He said, what's the matter? I says, I don't know. I'm hurt bad. And he didn't know what to do. He he goes back to Tommy and starts fighting with him. And, you know, they're watching these little TV sets. I think they call them monitors because, you know, they're watching the matches back in the control room and everybody's What's the matter with Tommy? He's not moving. He's not flopping yeah. around. He's just laying there. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're starting to catch on. Something's wrong. So uh, Mike Adkins, who is no longer in wrestling, and uh, my old buddy Nick Patrick, they came out mm-hmm. together. And Mike got in the ring to finish the match. They told him what he had to do. and Just count out. Uh, I think it was count out Tommy. I don't even know who the hell got counted out. I don't know. Yeah, Tommy, but yeah. anyway, and, and, and Nick came over to me. And I said, Nick, get me away from those guys. So he slid me over to the apron, you know. Well, mm-hmm. they finished up. And I, I, and by that time, the booker was the champ, Ric Flair. He was the booker. He came out. And I was mm-hmm. sitting up in the apron. And he said, what is it, Tommy? I said, champ, I'm in bad shape. I, because the feeling slowly started coming back. Oh. Uh, a couple times, I think you see me kind of like raise my head. Right. Because Mike had rolled me over on my back. So I was flat on my, I, yeah. I, my body's uh, saying bleep you, you know, we ain't going anywhere. <laughs> right. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk gutter on this phone. I don't want to do that. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, so they sat me up and I said, well, let's get out of here. So I went to jump off the apron and my legs just collapsed under me. Fortunately, oh. I think it was Mike and Nick. They both caught me yeah. and, uh, and I got out of there and we keep, uh, uh, back then we were, we kept a chiropractor on standby uh-huh. because a lot of guys have trouble with their backs and necks and everything. Okay. And he, he looked me over and they said I was white as a ghost. And, mm. uh, he said he's, he's in, He's in bad shape. He's got to go to the hospital. So anyway, uh, I'm sitting there, and the ambulance comes, and they're coming in with the gurney. So I get up to walk to the ambulance because by now I'm not feeling that bad. Uh, The strength has come back. Uh Well, anyway, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not supposed to be moving. I said, brother, we've, we've left the ring and walked all the way back here. I've done all sorts of moving. Well, you shouldn't have been moved at all. And they wanted me to lay down. They strapped me down to the gurney. And all the guys were being real supportive because it was clear I was hurt. Right. But I didn't even know how badly. Anyway, my neck was destroyed. I had to have the same urgery that uh, my old friend Arn Anderson had to have. Uh-huh. Because you see, there's two ways they can operate on your neck. They can go in through the back like they had to do me and Arn, or they can go to the front. And yeah. a number of guys, uh, 
unfortunately, broken necks are rather common in this business. Yeah. Uh, Lita, the girl wrestler, she had one. Uh, yeah. A number of guys have broken their necks. But if you can operate through the front, you can come back. But in the uh -huh. case of me and Arn, they simply had to remove all that protective vertebrae that protects mm. your spine. So yeah. I don't have that anymore. And mm. and Arn doesn't have it either, and that's why he had to quit. But yeah. uh, to make a long story short, you know, I, I don't really harvest any bitterness towards Tommy, but he was careless. His carelessness ended my career and cost me, I don't know, at least a million dollars in lost wages. I was only 42 when this happened. Wow. And my old buddy Earl Hebner... Gosh, he, he wrapped into his 70s. And yeah. if you really want to talk about who the greatest referee of all time is, I really think you have to give it to Earl. I yeah. mean, he's been through so much uh, yeah. when they did that brilliant twin brother gimmick yeah. with Hogan and Andre. That, that sucker was I couldn't believe how, how, how great a gimmick that was. And yeah, that even good. though Earl was trimmer than David, yeah. uh, I thought I still thought it was David in the ring. I had no idea it was Earl uh -huh. because, you know, Earl was here uh, with me in WCW uh -huh. and they approached him and he, he couldn't tell me. He couldn't take a chance because right. I might slip and say something. And, you know, so I had no idea Earl was going. And when I saw it, oh, wow, that was great. And, you know, and Earl came in and beat the hell out of David and was pretty stiff with him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. David, bless his heart, he's passed away. But Earl and I still stay in touch. And he'll be here in Charlotte for the Fan Fest in August. And I'll, I'll drop by and see him there. They, they won't be using me because I won't get in the ring and ref. And believe me, I'd like to. Because, yeah. guys, the people are so nice to me now, it's unreal. And yeah. let's face it, I didn't get that during my career. Right. <laughs> they, they called me everything but a human being, and they threw stuff at me. I had my window broken out in my car and assaulted. Yeah. 90% of the things that would happen to me would happen to me after I walked by and somebody belted me in the back of the head or something. Nobody <laughs> would confront me straight on, you know, but when you walk by, wham, somebody would do something. And sometimes the security would catch them, and sometimes they wouldn't. But yeah. it, it, it was just, it, it's a very difficult situation like that. So anyway, I, I can't, I just, it's not worth it for me to get in the ring anymore because like I was telling you about Conrad before you cut me off, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just having fun with you guys. I told them, you know, they offered me a real good amount of money, fly me into Nashville and everything. And, and it was probably the champ that wanted me for that because I did yeah. most of his matches when he was in his prime and uh robbie charles robinson he did the matches when when the champ you know was older i yeah. told robbie i said you know you got to be the junior nature boy that's something special <laughs> but but you never got to to rep the champ in his prime like i did yeah. but um but i told uh I told uh, Mr. Thompson, I said, I'd love to do it, but I don't think I'm up to it. And he probably figured, well, you know, yeah, right. You'll do it. And so they called me back later and I decided no. Because see, if I stand up for long periods of time, guys, my yeah. legs get numb. and. You. I could get hurt in there. And yeah. I mean, you have to be realistic. I don't belong in the ring anymore. Yeah. Uh, 
and God knows the champ was taking a chance. And if I know him, he'll yeah. have another retirement match. Exactly. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me one bit. Exactly. But anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I suggested, I said, why don't you hire Earl? And they, they didn't want Earl. They wound up hiring um, uh, the kid out of uh, New Is York. What am I? Mike, uh, Mike Kyoto, I think his name oh, is. Kyoto, yeah. I'm, is I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, Kyoto, a, he's great. Great yeah. referee. Great yeah. referee. Um, I don't even think I know. I may have met him a couple of times when I went to their shows, but I really don't know Mike. But he's as good a referee as I've ever seen. And they used him, and that was that. So, I, you know, funny. they That's, offered me money, I, I but it just wasn't worth it. I'm sorry. Now, no. that you, now that you say it, I do remember seeing him because I was actually on that show. I was in the uh, Battle Royal, the Bunkhouse Battle Royal, and then they had me um, as an agent for one of the matches as well. And I do remember now seeing Kyoto there because I knew him from my my little short stint with uh, WWF back in the day. But Kyoto, yes, he's an extremely good referee. Really? So how, how was the crowd? Was it completely full? Oh, it was. I mean, there. Were, if I didn't see no empty seats, I'm sure there were some here and there. But uh, being that, that the same, excuse me, is that the same building that uh, uh, the thing between Steamboat, Steamboat and uh, yes. Flair and Terry? It's yeah. same building. No, yeah. no, that was the municipal. The municipal oh, okay. is okay. where they and did the Nashville. Is that that the? Claire's oh, it was municipal. You're yes. right, Wolfie. My Both bad, dude. You were there. Yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah, and not not to mention though. I mean, that's where I grew up going to watch wrestling. Besides the fairgrounds, you know, Memphis stuff. But when the uh, WWF and you know WCW and all that would come to town, it was up to municipal. But yeah, it was to answer that question. It was full. And let me tell you something. I've said this a hundred times since then. I did not stay in the back and watch the monitor. I wanted to go out where the people were because you cannot explain, you know, watching that match on TV. If you expected to see Ric Flair go out there and have his best match instead of his retirement match, you're not a fan of pro wrestling. You, you, that's not what you were expecting. But the electricity in that building was incredible. I, it was, I was standing there, Ray Mysterio and me were standing over into the crowd and it was like we both were like yeah i'm not going back there to watch this i'm staying right here because the people were up and with him and even though his chops were you know i heard i heard chops. the match was i heard the match was not good it was not a good match i well I if, heard it wasn't that for jeff, if, if it wasn't for jeff and uh jay uh, lethal and Andrade. yeah jay lethal I mean, it would have been a lot, a lot different, man. But they just old school healed on him, and you know, tried to take care of Flair. But in the arena, he was over like a million dollars, man. It was, it was cool. Well, he's he's as legendary as they come. Oh yeah. And we were very close friends for many years. We're not close anymore. But I mean, I, you know, it, it, he's gone now. He's been gone for a long time. And he was in Atlanta. Now I understand he's down in uh, Tampa, maybe. Uh, he's in yeah. Florida, I believe now. Okay. And, um, but anyway, I, you know, I probably should have done it because if I'm right and you were there, so you tell me, yeah. wasn't it a deal when Flair had his figure four leg lock on Jeff? And they were both like laying there, and the referee had been knocked out. Wasn't the referee knocked out? Yes, I, I can't yes, remember. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Right. And another referee went in and did the one, two, three, or I could have done that. 
Yeah. I should have gone. Yeah. Cause he told the me he said, we can work off. around that. But anyway, it's history. So I'm glad everybody's okay. And, yeah. uh, we had the fan fest not too long after that. And Jeff was there and I talked to him about it uh-huh. and uh, he said the match could have been better, but we got by with it. And yeah. Jeff's a hell of a, Jeff's a hell of a talent. So he's oh, always yeah. going to be good that way. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm, Forgive me for yapping so much. No, 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 no. I, I, I get carried away, but I want to give you a chance to ask questions. So this is yeah, your yeah. Evening, you know. <laughs> I, I want to know this. I want to know this. Okay, so you know you kind of known for you know the, the way you would sell the moves and the facial expressions and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so and I, and I'm, I'm not trying to get you to knock anybody at all. That's not what my show's about. I just want your opinion on. I know I don't know if you've seen. There's a girl referee in the AEW, and they, she gets a lot of heat because she, in my opinion, she oversells everything. Have you have you seen her? And what do you think? I almost never watch. I didn't even watch it when I was in it. Right. <laughs> well, it, it was my living, you know. Right. And yes. and I'd have I'd have people over sometimes and be turning the TV station and there's a match and I'm in it. And I just keep right on going. Hey, hey, Tommy, <laughs> you're on. I said, well, you know, when I first saw myself on TV, hey, hey, I'm a TV star. Ah, you know, everybody wants to be on TV. One had their what is it, fifteen minutes of fame or something. Well, it's just like anything else. I mean, after a while you think, yeah, I'm on TV. So what? (laughs) I mean, I, big deal. I mean, I, I'm used to it. It's not that big of a deal. I never took myself that seriously. And, and I, and I still don't, I mean, to be perfectly frank with you, I am a failed wrestler because I broke into wrestle guys and and just by accident, started repping. They didn't have a rep one night. I volunteered. I said, scratch the match. I'll do it. And, you know, when I was rep, when I was wrestling, I was about as useful as a screen door in a submarine. I mean, I, I, I just, I wasn't trained properly and, uh, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I yeah. was left-handed, which doesn't help, even though Harley Race right. was left-handed and he's one of the greatest. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, uh, as a referee for some reason i knew everything i knew how to handle the people nobody ever trained me i never watched referees i never i I wasn't like oh i'm gonna revolutionize refereeing i I never thought it's too stupid to do that it just (laughs) happened it was just by accident and 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 i people used to tell me boy you must have been one hell of an athlete did you play a lot of sports in high school i said brother i was a nerd i didn't hang, <laughs> i didn't hang out with the athletes i hung out with the other nerds i i played football in my freshman year in high school and quit that before the season was over the only thing i ever really did was play some golf in high school and i wasn't even great at that it was just something that happened but yeah. uh i i but i got into it. It was fun to me. Right. So many guys didn't want to rep Nick Patrick. Nick wanted to wrestle. His right. dad was Jody Hamilton. He he was one of the, I think one of the bolos here in, in the Mid Atlantic and he wrestled yeah. but Nick had bad knees. So mm-hmm. Nick had to ref. But mm-hmm. almost almost nobody wanted to just ref T 
Teddy Long, he, he repped for a little while. He was my deputy, but he wanted to manage. He wanted to move on. Love Me, that. I thought, Tommy, you are tailor-made for this, and you really don't have much competition. You can't yeah. make a lot of money. I mean, and referees should make a lot of money. They're a necessary evil. Yes. But but I mean, uh, I knew that I was good at it and that I would probably have a, a good future in this business. So I never wanted to do anything but ref. I didn't want to wrestle, didn't want to manage, didn't want to commentate. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ref. And I always knew that with the style I had, because I worked very close to the wrestlers and I would catch the elbow and the nose every so often and come home yeah. at night, take off my clothes and have bruises on my body. But that was just, you know, part of the, you know, uh, that's yeah. paying your dues, you know. Right. I always wanted to be there for the wrestlers close by. If a guy was having trouble saying a spot to a guy, I would tell him, look at me like you're talking to me and then yeah. say the spot. The people think you're talking to me, but the guy will hear the spot. Stuff right. like that, you know, because yeah. I would I would tell any referee and a lot of them are nice enough to come up to me, uh, put me over, you know, like, Oh God, I always wanted to meet you. And I tell them it is our job to make the wrestler's job easier. Yeah. That that's the sign of a good referee mm-hmm. because you know, we're not directly responsible for bringing people into the building. The wrestlers are, yeah. and so the pressure's on them. So you want to make it as easy for them as you can, because the bigger the crowd, the more money you make. Right. Right. And, you know, you're talking about uh, you wanted to referee uh, and all that. You really, if you think about it, I think you made a really good choice because of the longevity the referees have. Look how long the referees last everywhere. I mean, they're they're fixtures. They really don't swap referees in and out that often, you know? Well, my career didn't last too long. It was uh, it was 15 years. I started right at the beginning of 75 when the IWA formed uh, back in 75. That's that's when I got into it full time. And right to the end of 89, the actual uh, injury occurred. I will never forget that date. November the 28th. 1989. So I had right at 15 years, but look at Earl. Earl had, well, Earl is the same age as Ric Flair. I'm 76. So that makes Earl 74. He's only recently quit. He was wrapping into his early seventies. And so do we talk in 40 years at least. Yeah, maybe four, yeah. maybe 45 referees in general don't get hurt. Yeah. What happened to me was just a freak injury, but it happened. But by the grace of God, I'm okay. I just right. had to quit wrestling. I just had yeah. to do it. I had to quit. Yeah. Let me ask you this too. Uh, so when I broke into Memphis, the referee was Frank Morrell. I know, you know, the French angel. Frank. I know Morell. Frank. Yeah. Nice. So, I, I rode with him all the time and things, but when I first broke in, I, he just didn't like me and uh, me and Jay for some reason. I don't know what it was, but and I don't know if you've ever heard how he used to be, but you literally had to shoot to get him to turn his back and like you know get your heat behind his back and all that, and he'd make you shoot with him because he didn't want to look bad. Do you do you have anything like that where? A wrestler would just something they would do that would annoy you because I know some wrestlers like that. They don't want the heat on them on certain things. And did you ever have any things like that? Hell yes, <laughs> Lord. We had a guy. We had a guy named Bill White. He's still uh-huh. around. Mm-hmm. But 
this guy always was acting like a complete idiot. And he he wouldn't work with me. He would insist on, on pulling the guy around. He wouldn't let me catch him. Never let right. me catch him. And, you know, you got to feel the people. That's one thing I was good about. I, you know, you don't want to disgust them. Yeah. Pissing them off is one thing. Disgusting them is something else. That's going to yeah. keep them from coming back. Right. And he just, but he didn't have the psychology. He always worked underneath. And this guy was one hell of a worker. He was really a good performer in the ring. He could have been main event. Uh, I don't think he ever was. Now, maybe he went to other territories than he was, but I don't think so. But he he, he would, uh, and he would also screw around with, with the, the guys in the ring that he's working with. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd have new guys come into the territory. We had a guy, I remember him, uh, he's probably still around. Uh, his name was Mike Miller. And he mm. came in to work underneath. And um, I told he was going to work with Bill White that night. He was new to the territory, didn't know Bill. And I said, now, Mike, you got to watch this guy. He gets cute. (laughs) And Mike's like, Mike figured, well, man, you're ripping me. (laughs) And I wasn't ribbing him. And I said, Mike, you'll think he's going to lock up with you. And the next thing you know, he shoots an arm drag and you go flying across the ring. You don't even know it's coming. You know, (laughs) Bill would do that stuff and he would aggravate people. And um, uh, he he got slapped around a few times by some people. Yeah. I won't mention names, and I really probably shouldn't shouldn't have mentioned that because oh. he, he he wasn't a wuss or anything like that. Don't misunderstand yeah. me. But he he screw around in the ring and yeah. and play play ribs on people. Yeah. You know, do it in the dressing room. Don't do it in the ring. Yeah. And uh, and other guys gave me trouble. I I used to have trouble with Greg Valentine. Really? Uh, it just, just, we, we, I don't know. We didn't mesh. I don't know what it is. The iron Sheik was another one, but, uh, these guys are more, it was more of a personal thing with these guys. And I mean, I've made peace with all of them. Greg's all yeah. right. He's still around. I think the Sheik has passed away. Yeah. Um, but when he was here, he had heat with everybody and almost got into a fight in the dressing room with uh Swede Hansen. And, uh, man, oh, big, tough guy. Everybody loved him. And, yeah. uh, but, but Kaz, we called him Kaz, the mm-hmm. Sheik. He yeah. was, uh, well, you know, he, he's, he's passed away, you know, try to yeah. say something nice if you're going to, but yeah, I had some trouble with a few people, but gen- in general, not that much. It it was a business and right. guys trying to get along, you know, you, you, you want to stay in the territory as long as you can and, and yeah. make money. It was mostly camaraderie. There were very few poor incidents, very few bad incidents. Yeah, but well, I, I'm going to make a hot tag here to Jimmy since so he can join the conversation. Yeah, well, thank you for the hot tag, Wolfie D. And obviously, I'll say it many times as I need to. I do feel like you are the greatest, Tommy. And I said that to you when we met the other day at the Fan Fest. That was a thrill to me. Got to see Charles Robinson and Rudy Charles come in, which Wolfie's a big buddy with Rudy. But here's what I'm saying. You were so good, and here's why I think you are the best. Now, we were talking about Earl. One of the things that would sort of bug me about Earl 
was his <laughs> de- delivery when he would drop to the mat. So it would almost seem like he was dropping and that should be his one. And then he would count three, right? So it was like a hard drop. You were so good. You would smoothly hit the mat and then count the three. It was like a timing thing to where Earl kind of seemed like he was almost counting four. You know, do you notice anything like that ever with other referees? No, I didn't. I really didn't. And in all fairness to Earl, you got to remember, I wrestled first. So it's a lot easier when you've already been in the business. Now, in Earl's case, same as David, they never wrestled before. David started first. He he was my deputy when I would come into Richmond because they both lived in that area. Mm-hmm. And and David was first and Earl was actually he'd do a little bit of a announcing and he had a ring and a bus. He drove around, set the ring up and, and then of course David went to that uh little territory in Tennessee for a while that uh Mulligan and uh I think it was Dickie Murdoch. I think the two no, no, that was that was Texas. This was Flair and Mulligan. They put this thing together in mm-hmm. uh, in Tennessee for a while. It didn't go long, but David went with them. But when that dissolved, David went with McMahon when he was first starting. And that was really a disappointment. I mean, David was with Vince McMahon from day one. Mm-hmm. And why Vince would let David go unceremoniously the way he did, I will never understand. And David was never the same after that. I know it was something to do with selling merchandise, but mm. uh, I, I just don't, I, I was really disappointed because David was with Vince from day one when he was first starting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, loyalty ought to mean, mean something in this business because there isn't a whole lot of loyalty in this business. Yeah. Yeah. There never was. And maybe there's more of it now. I've been gone so long. I hope there is. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 David was never the same. David has passed away. And uh, Earl, Earl to this day is, is still bitter about that. They offered to bring Earl back to WWE when he was with TNN and uh, they're going to put him in the Hall of Fame and everything and Earl wouldn't go and I I talked I said Earl I, I know they're idiots but hey that's where the money is Earl go back that's where the money I don't care Tommy the hell with them I don't want nothing to do with them I mean he, he just thumbed his nose on them and you got to give him a lot of credit for that yeah. are, uh, are there any referees in the Hall of Fame Man, I don't know it, it, I, I I can't think of any. Actually. No, it's a rip. I mean, it's ridiculous, honestly. You know, yeah. I mean, we're if there. If they, excuse me, I'm sorry. If there no. was one in there, if there was one in there, I would think it would probably be Joey Morella. Yeah, uh, right, uh, right. Monsoon's boy, you know. Right. Uh, met him one time. He was okay, and uh, I think he got in an auto accident or something. And uh, that, that's a shame. I, he may be in, but I don't really know about uh, people in the Hall of Fame in, uh, in in New York. I know that Bobby Fulton inducted me into his Hall of Fame of Ohio last oh, yeah. year. That was kind of nice. That is and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And I, and I really don't care whether I get in any Hall of Fame or not. Like I said, I, I just never took myself that seriously, and I never will. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the Midnight Express need to go in, and I think you need to go in, and definitely Earl needs to go in. I mean, there's so many guys, Nick Patrick, like you said, you know, and hell, Jerry Calhoun has got my vote too. But what I mean by that is there really needs to be – Excuse me. Who? 
<laughs> Did you say Jerry? Oh, no, wait a minute. Forgive me. And I don't know you guys very well, but I, you know, I'm, and by the way, guys, I want you to know I'm on a closed caption phone okay. because people always told me you blind bastard. You can't see nothing. You queer son of a bitch and all that. <laughs> but the simple truth is I tell people, no folks, I can see fine, but I can't hear worth the damn. Right. <laughs> and, you know, people would, yeah, you know, I'd kibitz with the people before the matches and I'd, uh, so, and oftentimes these ladies would give me offer to give me their glasses and I'd, I'd go to take them and they'd pull them back. But once in a while they'd give them to me and I'd put the glasses on and I'd turn around and walk into the ropes and take a bump and, and just, just to have, you know, and, uh, you know, you're trying to have as much fun with the people as you can because, you know, they're going to wind up hating you probably with all those dusty finishes I used to do. Oh. No and uh so i used to have fun w- with that and uh but yeah so i if i hesitate when you ask me a question it's only because i didn't understand it and i'm looking at the captioning and what she had said there's a slight delay so if that's if there's a slight slight delay in this that's what i'm doing so no, i just want you to know that yeah. no problem yeah i just said jerry calhoun the, the longtime memphis referee you know who he is yeah oh okay okay Okay. Do I know? Do I know Jerry? Do I know Jerry Calhoun? Because because I don't recognize that name. Oh, was, really? It was uh, uh, let's see. I guess the late seventies and then all the all the eighties, pretty much. Uh, he was like mm-hmm. Lawler's best buddy too. So yeah, they were best friends, kind of like you and Flair for a while, you know. Yeah. So well, you know, talking earlier, I got away from your question about the girl referee. Yeah. Uh, I did turn the TV the other night, and I did see a girl referee. Aren't there girl referees in WWE, too? I think so. I think I so. think so, too. And I thought, uh, you know, I, I don't like that. I mean, even in a girl's match, I can't see a girl referee, but, you know, <laughs> what the heck. But, yeah, she was in there. And uh, I often thought, gosh, how would I feel if I had competition with a girl or a woman? You know, I, that that's totally different. But I didn't watch her because I don't really watch. I'll tell you this much. I did stop. Uh, I don't know what. I think it was the AEW group. That's not the yeah. same as CNN, right? Those are two different no. ones. Right, and right. This, this particular match was a big heavy set guy named Samoa Joe. He's been around a while. Yeah, and um, this other kid. This is the strangest. I what did they call him? He was wearing the regular boxing shorts that Muhammad Ali used to wear. Okay, tall, tall, thin kid. He had a nice build. He had a nickname. I forget what it was, but uh, but that they had a halfway halfway decent match. I mean, he was clear that he was a hundred at least a hundred pounds lighter than Joe and Joe didn't give him a whole lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really know Joe. Uh, he did. He was at one of the fan fests here in Charlotte and he actually worked a match and he got angry at his referee. And I remember being in the dressing room and he comes storming back. Where's my referee? Where's my referee? It wasn't me of course, but, but, uh, he, he was ticked off. But yeah. <laughs> but I did watch that match and and it wasn't bad. They went to the floor and did some stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you, the the work ethic now is is just as good, if not better, than it ever was because you know everybody's trying to come up with something that they didn't have any before. You know, right. 
something right. new, you can only go so far that way. I mean, yeah. you know, right. I mean, roller derby, Amen. roller derby yeah. went so far and then there really wasn't anything left and roller derby kind of died out. Yeah. But in the sixties and seventies, when I was, you know, almost a kid, I loved roller derby, yeah. but they yeah. were doing more high risk stuff. I'll bet a lot more guys are getting hurt now than they used oh, absolutely. to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking about that, uh, with somebody that was on the show not too long ago. And the shelf life of a wrestler is not what it used to be, man. Cause I don't care if there's 10 people in the crowd or 10,000, they're still going to do the same match in which I was always taught by, thank God, you know, people like Tommy Rich and, and rock and roll and people that I worked with coming up, you know, if the house ain't that good, yeah, you still want to give the ones that pay to show and, and whatnot, but you ain't got to yeah. kill yourself to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. You don't want to penalize the fans. They're right. the ones that are there, not, they're not right. the ones that aren't there. They're the ones that are there, but yeah. it is tough to motivate yourself when there's 40, 50 people in the right. audience. And I've worked some shows where it was like that and, yeah. and it can, you, you might feel kind of bad about it and, and, you know, want not really wanting to do much, but once you get in the ring, you, you get into the groove and you do what you need to do. Exactly. I mean, cause you're just cheating yourself and, and it's, it's being a very much lack of professionalism. You yeah. got to perform. I mean, they paid their money and, and thank God they're there. It'd be worse if there was nobody in the building at all. Well, yeah. You know, I think right. they had one match. Uh, this was years ago between uh, Jerry Lawler and my old buddy, Terry Funk. Oh, and they man, fought man, in Terry. an empty building. Oh, wrestled yeah. in an empty building. Right. <laughs> and uh, God, I miss Terry. He, I'd he say Jerry was the ref ball. with that, right, Wolfie? Probably, was, yeah. Yeah, I would say Jerry was probably the ref on that match. But anyway. Could have yeah. been. Could have yeah. been, but it Terry, was a special match. Incredible, but, uh, yeah. Terry Funk, I loved him to death. I, he he used to beat me to death every night with that branding iron of his, <laughs> and, and I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I'd do anything for him. I was very close to him. Uh, stayed in touch with him. And I think dementia kind of got a hold of Terry, and mm. he's gone now. But Dory's still with us, I believe. I think he's right. still down in Florida with with uh, with. Um, uh, the the lady that he's been with forever that because of my old age I'm missing the name right now but it'll come to me later but anyway <laughs> uh, uh, yeah it would be nice to if Flair wanted to do a farewell match do something with Steamboat or something like yeah, that right but I think Steamboat was supposed to have been there and and he couldn't uh, they couldn't get together with the money so that's why yeah, he wasn't there either. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. because he lives in Tennessee now Steam's in Tennessee. Maryville. Yeah. Maryville. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like Wolfie's town. Knoxville, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I stay so, in touch with him just a little bit, not much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've got a, I've got a question, and I think every one of our listeners would love to hear the answer that you have for this. Is it, you know, obviously, if you had like, let me just say, you know, Earl Hebner, Tommy Young, Charles Robinson, Jerry Calhoun, you know, Nick Patrick, whatever, Mount Rushmore of referees. If you had to pick, who would you say your Mount Rushmore of referees is, Tommy? Oh, in other words, I'm supposed to pick four of us because there's four on Mount Rushmore. Correct. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, don't want to get myself in trouble, naturally, but I would say they would probably have to be. Number one, of course, Earl Hebner. Yeah. Uh, David, too. Yeah, David okay. did that match between Steamboat and Randy right. in the big 
big uh, WrestleMania three one in Detroit, where I'm from. Yeah. That building is no longer there. You know where they had the eighty seven thousand or ninety or whatever the yeah. hell it was. Right. God, right. it would have been nice to have had that match. And they worked David to death. So I would guess Earl, David, and oh gosh, Robbie. Uh, Mike Kyoto, uh, Calhoun, uh, you can't, you can't forget David Manning in Texas. Yeah. He was Love a fixture there. Yeah. Yeah, David, David's a good guy. And, uh, uh, Bill Alfonso was good. Yes. Yeah. Bill's still yeah. around. He's, he's, I think he's still with us and he was good. There were so many. So, but to narrow it down to four, uh, <laughs> that, that would be difficult to do. I would say the Hebners, uh, Charles Robinson and Mike Toyota. I love it. That's a great. And one. if there's a little room, you could stick me in the corner somewhere. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, we're gonna stick you in the George Washington spot, but we'll go on from that. <laughs> uh, you're very kind. And anybody that's that's nice enough to li- to listen to this, hello, folks. Because I got to tell you right now, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on anything. I hide from that stuff. I I just I don't even have a computer, and all I've got is a flip phone. I don't have an iPhone, so I can't do any. <laughs> Of that stuff. So if anybody says things nicely about me, give me a call and let me know. <laughs> we'll definitely let you know. Definitely. Yeah. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Brought something up, talking about WrestleMania 3. Um, you know, that, that match was incredible, and I was a huge Randy Savage fan. And uh, But another match on there that's kind of uh, irrelevant right now, just because of who was in it. One of my favorite matches was Billy Jack and Hercules. You know, we all, I'm sure you heard the news about Billy Jack. I met Billy Jack in 95. He came and worked Memphis for a few months. and One I'm of just the baddest of the bad. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. had to but throw also that gave me just the feeling of, this dude's nuts. That's, that's just kind of the impression I got from him. Said that again. I'm sorry. I missed that. I said the impression that I got from obviously, yes, a bad dude. But also, I just got the feeling of, man, this dude's nuts. <laughs> well, Billy came into the territory. He worked a little bit here, not too yeah. much. Right. And uh, but I'd heard he was one bad dude. I heard that. Uh, well, he had a very famous fight with a, a big Canadian wrestler named Mike Sharp. A big. Uh, do you right. know Mike? I've heard about yeah. this. Yeah. The big raw bone guy. The only guys that were there were uh, uh, Gene Lewis. He, rep, he he was in here for a little while. Uh, he used to team with Dale Lewis, and I never knew Dale Lewis, but Gene was a good guy, and Harley. And there was, there was only four of them in the dressing room. Everybody, I guess, was gone, and they had a very stiff match. And uh, one of the agents, because this was for WWE, 
mm-hmm. uh, was mad at both of them and put them in with each other and made them go a long time. And, and they were mad to begin with, and they're taking it out on each other. And I guess they came back to the dressing room and, well, I'm not a piece of bleep. Well, I'm not a piece of bleep. And, and they get ready to square off. And uh, Gene Lewis told the story, said that Harley locked the door so nobody could come in and they had one hell of a fight and and from what i understand billy jack just beat the living hell out of mike and Mm. mike is big and thick and raw bone i mean he's a big tough scary looking guy and Mm. billy billy slaughtered him from what i understand and he also beat the hell out of tiger conway uh from what i understand he went after barry windham Wow. I, I, I don't know about this. I just heard these things. Right. And it's ironic because Billy was just in the news the other day. Right. I I think the story was that his wife was very sick yeah. and that he performed a mercy killing. Yeah. Wow. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And, and I think he's in trouble for that. I, I, I wish him well because... I, uh, I I didn't know him that well, but he was very easy to referee. He was a nice person. But yeah. when you hear that stuff, you think, gee whiz, I don't want to make this guy mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, another guy that was like that, but he wasn't such a nice guy, was a guy named Billy Robinson. He was a British guy. Right. And, a shooter. And, uh, yeah. yeah, a shooter and uh, temperamental. And he mm. came in here, and I never had any problem with him at all. But I heard that uh, we had a referee here by the name of Stu Schwartz. Right. right. And eventually he, he was fired. And But he was from Florida. And apparently he, he could be very obnoxious. And I don't remember what he did, but he did something that aggravated Billy. And Billy beat the hell out of him right in the ring. Wow. I mean, he didn't wait till he got back to the dressing room. He beat the hell out of him right in the ring. <laughs> and then on top of that, Stu, who was a good-sized guy, mm-hmm. uh, he was. Uh, the story I got was that he was waiting in the dressing room. And when Billy came in, Stu jumped him from behind, and Billy beat the hell out of him again. And uh, but anyway, but Billy had a bad reputation. A lot of guys didn't like Billy. Yeah, uh, me, me, I liked him. He was cool with me. Yeah. Uh, the only guy that I ever really had any real trouble with was Blackjack Mulligan. Really. <laughs> I had some trouble. Well, Jack had a terrible temper, right. and he got into it with, with a number of people. Him and Sergeant Slaughter got into it in Hampton, Virginia, right in the ring. They're wow. beating the hell out of each other, and I'm, and I'm, you know, the punches are getting harder and harder. And they're, what the hell's going on here? These guys are potatoing the hell out of each other. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, earlier that match, uh, Sarge went to run Jack's head into the. For for uh, for security, all we had back then were just these big tires with a pole going up the middle and just a little piece of rope going through them. Yeah, you know, around that's all we had. Well, Sarge grabbed one of those things and went to Jack, run Jack into it, and of course, you know what they always say. Well, he moved and that stuff, and instead of catching Jack in the head with it, he caught him in the mouth with it oh. and caught him good, knocked out a couple of Jack's teeth. Mm. And I've told this story before in other interviews, but mm. anyway, uh, and well, they it was a one fall death match, so you don't count anybody out. Right. They went to the floor, and as I always told other referees, if the guys go to the floor and they're fighting, don't stand in the ring like an idiot. Get out there with them. 
because you don't want to count them out. And if they're brawling, they're not going to pay the attention of the count. You get out there and try like you're trying to get them back in. And then as a last resort, then you get in the ring and count, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, you, you've got to, when, when you get a guy on the ropes, there was a guy here that wrestled for a while, not wrestled, but referee. He was a, a real skinny kid uh, in WWCW, WCW mm-hmm. and then he, after I left. But then he went to uh, WWE, and uh, I think John Layfield picked on him. John mm. could be a jerk, I understand, although I yeah. thought John was a great guy myself. But yeah. uh, anyway, but this kid, he'd be throwing his arms all over the place like he's doing the frug or something. I, I could never figure out what he was doing. <laughs> but as soon as the guy would get the guy in the rope, he'd immediately start counting. I said, no, no, you don't start counting right away. You tap him on the back. You know, you're a referee. You're trying to be a real referee. Right. You know, all right, step away. And, 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 and he's starting to come on, man. Come on. You talk to them. And I yeah. used to talk loud. I wanted the fans to hear me. Right. I would I would talk louder. Let him go. Let him go. I want the people to hear me. Yeah. And um and and when when you get frustrated and you're trying to get him off him, then you count. But you give him a chance to get his heat. If right. you start counting right away, and you know the office tells you the count is five, so mm-hmm. they gotta break on four because if you hit the big five, you gotta DQ him. That's a shoot. And, you know, it's just like counting guys down in the ring. And this could be a real nightmare. Guys would get lazy and and not get their shoulders up. And I would tell them, guys, get those shoulders up. If you're down, I got to hit three. The people are looking right at it. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, we had a guy here, nice guy. His name was Austin Idol. His real yeah. name is uh, Dennis McCord. I don't know if he's still with us. I think he is. He is. And, yeah. and, um, but he would get lazy that way. And one time, I, I forget what it was, but he didn't break. Uh, and I went, one, two, three, four, five, hit the bell. And he's like, whoa, what the hell? That ain't the finish. I said, pal, you just made it the finish. <laughs> and, uh, but what I would do, I would whisper to his opponent as I'm walking across the ring to tell the timekeeper he's disqualified, refuse it, refuse it. So anyway, I tell him he's disqualified. I go to raise the guy's hand, pulls his hand down. No, no, I don't want it that way. No, you're the winner. Come on and pull it down. No, I want to beat him legit. I don't want to beat him by DQ. Yeah. All right, we'll let it go. Ring the bell. You, you've you corrected what happened. Yeah. He gets the message that, hey, the referee's got the power to stop this match whenever he wants. Right. The timekeeper is right. going to listen to the referee, you know? So yeah. I, I had that trouble with Greg Ballantyne. He'd get lazy. One time I had to disqualify him. <laughs> and there were, uh, we had another guy named Lynn Denton. Remember Lynn Denton? Oh, yeah. yeah, the grappler. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Lynn loved him, but he would get lazy with his shoulders. We were somewhere, and I went one, two, three, counted him out. Boy, he come up mad as a hornet. What the <laughs> hell are you doing? I said, Lynn, you've got to get the damn shoulders up. Well, anyway, we hit the dressing room, and he knew he was going to be in trouble with the office, so he's giving me hell. And Gene Anderson, Gene Anderson, bless his heart, who was the uh, 
office representative up at the time said, you know, damn well, your shoulders were down. Get them up next time. So Lynn had to shut right up, you know, yeah. but, and, and, you know, we got over that. Lynn's a good guy and a very good, great performer really was and is. Yeah. And, um, but sometimes guys would get lazy and, and, you know, it could be a referee's nightmare because yeah. you can't be covering for him too much. Right. Or, right. It makes everybody in the ring look stupid, not just the referee. It makes the rest, you know, I love that that you you know the way you said you uh, you know total may just just refuse it because it's like nobody knows how to ad lib like that anymore. It's great to hear things like that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of people that can ad lib. <laughs> well, you know, we did a thing in '85. Uh, we had two shows uh, Thanksgiving night. And uh, there was the one in Greensboro. Earl was there doing that one, and I was in Atlanta doing the one in the Omni. This was called The Gathering. Yeah. And it was yeah. it was a match where uh, Dusty uh, was, uh, oh, yeah, uh, uh, going to clothesline Flair. Flair goes into me. The champ goes into me. I hit the floor. And um, uh, the, the rest of the horsemen jump in the ring, and they're beating up on Dusty. And I see it, and I try to get up, and Dusty kicks Iron into me as I'm climbing up to the apron, which flattens me again. And this time, I'm down for the count. But during that match, I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, one of them whispered to me, here we go, Tommy. So I'm, I'm right behind Flair, but I'm not on top of him. And I'm, I'm not like I'm blowing in his ear. Right. You gotta be, you gotta be back a little bit figuring the champ would come into me. Uh-huh. I don't know whether he forgot or what, but Dusty clotheslined him and he went down right in front of me. <laughs> so I'm standing there looking at Dusty and Dusty's looking at me. So I'm thinking, well, Tommy, we're going to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know what it was going to be. Nobody did. But you just stay close. And what yeah. happened a minute or two later, Dusty grabbed Flair by the front of his types, pulled him forward, which sent him into me, then to the floor I went. So it was it got screwed up, but we covered it up and just did something else. We had Nobody to add him and we did. Nobody mm-hmm. knew the difference. But yeah, nope, not a bit. And it worked out beautifully. It really yeah. did. That's awesome. That is awesome. I've done a few other podcasts. Uh, Dave Penzer, I did one with him. And, uh, of course, with Corny, my old buddy, Jim Cornette. Um, And and I was supposed to do one with Jerry Briscoe. We talked about it, but Jerry never got back with me. There's somebody I love, but I would never want to make mad either. (laughs) Jerry's got a temper like Godzilla, brother. (laughs) <laughs> not his brother not his brother jack was the most laid-back easygoing guy you ever saw not yeah. jerry you don't piss jerry off i right. love him great guy like dorian terry dory was so low-key and and a perfect guy to be your champion great wrestler and all that whereas terry he's running across the ring on his all fours headbutting you like a dog <laughs> Terry would do anything. He he yeah. didn't care, yeah. uh, and and he's not volatile. But I'm just saying, so many opposites, brothers that are totally different yeah. from each other, right. and it's that way in my family too. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and you know, back when I was in the 
the business, you know, you were, it was totally different than what it is now. But everybody knows it's a work now, right. but they only thought it was a work when I was in it. You still right. protected it. Entertainment Tonight called me and, and Paul Harvey and all that stuff. They wanted okay. my story when I got hurt. Really? And I, I told them, uh, Jeff West called me from Entertainment Tonight. Can we do the story, Tommy? I said, we can't, Jeff, because to tell you the story, honestly, and I've got to tell it honestly, I would have to uh, expose my profession, and yeah. I, I don't have the heart to do it. It doesn't matter now. It right. doesn't matter now. I, I'll say anything because the people are totally smartened up now. There's no point in trying to look stupid and kayfabe people when right. that, that term went out years ago. Yeah. But, but back then, this business gave me everything. Right. And I, I, I couldn't betray it. I mean, there were some guys that yeah. did betray it. Uh, the worst I ever saw, I about fell off my couch when I saw this. <laughs> Never knew the guy, but his name was Eddie Mansfield. Right, right. And yeah. uh, he was, I think, went on ABC. Yeah. And he he actually showed them how to make the blade, and he cut yeah. himself. And I'm sitting there, what the hell? Right. I can't believe this guy is corny. Corny <laughs> just tore him apart in an interview. Oh, I'm sure. But, but yeah. corny's like that. Corny. Yeah. <laughs> he's somebody you don't want to mad at you because he's crazy enough to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but Mansfield, he I think he was pretty much blacklisted after that. Was. That was yeah. terrible what he did. He should have never done that. He yeah. came up with some excuse for doing it, but nobody bought it. He was yeah. basically persona non grata for doing that. Yeah. That yeah, I just you know, this was this gave me a living. Like right. I said, I was a nerd. And I never, and guys, this is the honest to God truth. I never belonged in this business. If I had been trained the way I should have been trained, I'd have been running out of there with my tail between my legs and all my clothes <laughs> dropping as I'm running. You know what I mean? But I broke in Detroit, a guy named Lou Klein. All he wanted was the money. Yeah. And the only thing he ever taught me how to do was lock up, which I already knew how to do. Right. And see, he had a gym and he would keep guys in the gym mm -hmm. and um, he'd be training them. And then I'd be learning from them. It was almost like a Ponzi thing, like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> You're learning from guys that are only two, three, four months ahead of you. Yeah, but I didn't, right. I didn't, I didn't learn how to do anything. I, I, I'm surprised that more guys didn't get disgusted and just beat the hell out of me. The few <laughs> matches that I had, because I wrestled some, I mean, I wrestled Andre. It, yeah, was, really? a it was a handicap match, me yeah. and another guy at the same time. And, uh, I wrestled, uh, Eric, the red, uh, uh, different guys that, that, that I Costello, will come to be right? later on. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 career was very limited, but refereeing I did it all, and boy, I had a lot of uh, intertwining with Andre because he would come into the territory, and you know I was the office representative. I would get all the finishes from the Booker, and I'd have to go to the town, set all the matches up. I mean, brother, re referees worked when I was in the business. It wasn't like now where you do one match and you yeah. go back. There was only one match for the, one referee for the whole show. Right. I had to set up all the matches, and a lot of the times, the dressing rooms were separate. So I yep. had to carry the matches back and forth. You I know, I had to do all that, and sometimes even pick up the money. 
and bring that yeah. back to the office. Sometimes they do that. But Jim Crockett, who was the big boss, would say, Tommy, Andre is your responsibility. You pick him up at the hotel. You get him to the show. You drop him off because I had to be there early. I'm yeah. leaving late. And brother, you should have seen him shoehorn his way into my car. <laughs> unreal he, he'd be sitting up front with me and i had a chrysler fifth avenue which wasn't a real big car it wasn't small but it wasn't real big either yeah. uh and he'd be sitting there and he's always wearing them cowboy boots and which made him even taller because he wasn't anywhere near as tall as they said he was right right his, his giantism was more of width than it was height Right. And but right. he'd be sitting there, and his knees would be almost touching his chin. He, ne- <laughs> he, he never broke my seats, and uh, but it was very difficult to converse with him because he never had a real good. Uh, he didn't master the English language very well. It was tough to talk what to him. Mean? I'm pretty good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he was very temperamental. Uh, oh, if really? we went into a oh, if we went into a store or, or a restaurant or something to eat. You know, you didn't have to be a wrestling fan to know who Andre was. Right. He was well-known all over. And, of course, just his size, he stands out like the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and, and anyway, he, I, he would allow you know, people... He's gone now, so I can say these things. You know, yeah. people would come up and Andre, can I put my hand in yours or can I get an autograph? And he was like, "Sure, as soon as you give me blowjob." And I'm going, <laughs> "Oh Lord!" Oh and my God. people would be stunned and look at each other. Nobody smarted off. Believe me, <laughs> nobody did that. Right. But a lot of times we'd be walking out. And uh, I'd sneak back in into the people and apologize. He's just having a bad day. I'm really sorry. I can't begin to tell how many times I apologize for him. He, <laughs> he could be a very mean individual. He really? could be nice, but, but he, was, he was temperamental. And he was one of these guys, if he didn't like you, he'd beat the hell out of you right in the ring, which yeah, you I've do not that. do. Yeah. You do not do that. He did that to John Studd. Yeah. Of course, Studd would aggravate him because you know when andre got in the ring he would step over that top rope and he made it clear to people don't step over the top rope uh-huh. well bobby heenan told me that stud thinks he's a giant and he's not and anyway he would step over the top right. rope because stud was huge yeah and uh and uh, I forget what show it was. Bill Eady was and I were talking about that the other day at the uh, thing that we just did, you know, yeah. uh, downtown Charlotte. And uh, uh, Stud just grabbed his stuff and left and, and <laughs> didn't even finish the match. That guy's going to kill me. I'm leaving. And uh, he did that to uh, he did it to Kaz because he didn't like Kaz, but almost nobody liked Kaz, Iron Sheik. Right. And uh, Randy was another one. I know you said you were a fan of Randy's, yeah. but uh, I'm not a fan of Randy's, I'll tell you that. Randy, <laughs> Randy burned so damn many bridges, uh, you can't count them all. And, yeah, uh, and it's a shame. When he was Randy Poffo, he was a nice guy. I even helped him get into this territory because uh-huh. he and his dad and brother, Lanny and his dad, Angelo, yeah. they, they worked the Detroit area a lot for the, for the original Sheik, right. uh, who was a real, you know, he was really from the, he was from Lebanon, uh, Kaz, the Iron Sheik. He wasn't even an Arab. He was Persian. 
Yeah. So, but but you know, people don't relate to Persians, but they relate to Arabs. So right, that's yeah. why they called him the Iron Sheik. Yeah. But anyhow, okay. uh, yeah. But he he beat the hell out of Randy and beat the hell out of uh, Kaz and Stud and and uh, he he had a temper. Andre did. He really did. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's great. That's a great story. Yeah. I've got a million of them. That you that you wrestled him. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you could call it that. Good lord. <laughs> no, I mean, guys, I was the shits. I mean, <laughs> like I said, you know, I was about as useful as an ice box at the North Pole. I mean, I just, I, I was awful, and I admit it. I, I, I remember I got in the ring with Hans Schmidt one time, if you remember that name, and uh, he did something, and I took some kind of a flop, and he's going, oh, Jesus. And, and uh, yeah, you know, but, but he didn't, you know, some guys uh, would, would get angry if you didn't, Luthez was like that. Yeah. He, he, if, if you weren't, if you didn't belong in the ring, we would make you pay the price. He never yeah. did that to me, but he did it to some other people. Uh, it, it wasn't a necessary thing to do. Some guys did that. Some didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I know that I've been guilty of that before. Just dealing, like, especially like the Memphis job guys were horrible, man. And and just <clears> on <throat> these shows, and they're making they're making you, you know, I'm saying me, making me look stupid because they're so bad that you almost have to shoot with them to to make it look right, you know. <laughs> well, you don't want to bury yourself, you know. Well, you exactly. to, it, 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 there's all sorts of problems that occur, yeah. but they put guys in the ring sometimes that should not be in the ring. No, and, and I really shouldn't have been. I had no wrestling background. Yeah, I knew, I knew wrestling was a work because if I ever thought it was real, <laughs> I would have never got in there because I can't wrestle. I never wrestled. I mean, you know, I, I can apply the goofy holds and all that and, and all that, but but a real shooting wrestler, it's definitely good to have a wrestling background. Yeah, you should sure. be an athlete. Yeah. And I mean, yes. and they that's who they usually went with. Dory was an excellent amateur wrestler. Jack mm. Briscoe was AAU champion. Yeah. And, and, uh, but there were well, they put the belt on Tommy, but they only put it on him as a favor to Jim Barnett, and mm -hmm. they took it off of him a week later. Yeah, when we when we had that uh, that clash in uh, the Superdome in uh, New Orleans, when mm -hmm. all the world champions were there, yeah. that that was really that. special to me seeing all those guys in the dressing room. But they yeah. didn't invite Tommy to that because he, you know, that that was just a favor. Tommy was never world champion. And yeah. um but they had everybody there. I mean they had they had Luthez, they had uh Pat O'Connor, who I never worked with, wish I had. I worked with Fez, of course, as a referee. They had mm -hmm. Gene Kaniski. They had uh, Buddy Rogers. They mm -hmm. had Jack Briscoe. Uh, everybody. You, yeah. uh, all the former champions were there, except for one guy. His name was Dick Hutton. I never knew him. He was only champion for about, I think, a year or two. Excellent wrestler. He was the one that... Uh, he took the belt off of Blue Fez, oh, and okay. then Pat and Pat O'Connor took the belt off of Hutton. That's how that worked. Gotcha. And okay. then and then Buddy Rogers beat Pat O'Connor, and uh, well, Blue Fez beat Buddy, and yeah. then uh, Kaniski beat Fez, then Dory beat Kaniski, and then 
Harley beat Dory, Jack Briscoe beat Harley, and then Terry beat Jack Briscoe, and Terry was there. Matter of fact, Terry was doing the commentary with Jim Ross that night. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. then later on, you know, Harley and then finally Flair. And Flair had the belts a damn many times. Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> they put, right. put the belt on Ronnie Garvin in Michigan, in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, but Ronnie didn't draw. Boy, there's a yeah. tough guy. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, yeah. almost like a Billy Jack type. Kevin Sullivan's another one. Yeah. And uh, guys, you do not want to fight because you are not willing. I'm not willing to do to them what they're willing to do to me. Right. If Ronnie Garvin fought Kevin Sullivan, one of them would die. <laughs> because they're both they both rip an eye right out of the socket right, these right. guys would do it <laughs> yeah. a lot of people were scared of Kevin and with good reason he was short yeah. but boy he was bad we're yeah. cool now though Kevin's a great guy great yeah. guy yeah. yeah he's come on here before too he was he was real real cool about it yeah Kevin <laughs> Kevin's a great guy it's really a shame what happened to uh, uh, Nancy you know yeah, Nancy know. used to yeah. be with Kevin and wound up with right. and you know did you guys know Benoit I think I'd met him like once yeah. I met him once and he wasn't very friendly yeah. And um, he, there was something about him that made me nervous. Gotcha. I, I, I was always nervous reason. around him, and but but yet everybody seemed to like him. That's yeah. and, and he he worked that program with Kevin, and it was a half a shoot because he took Nancy away from Kevin. Yeah. So you got a woman involved, and uh, I wouldn't want to referee one of those matches. They were <laughs> they were in the damn. Lavatories ran right. their heads the into the, the, yeah. the, uh, the paper dispensers and everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the stuff they, uh, some of the stuff I saw, I forget who it was. I saw a referee actually count out a guy whose head was inside a garbage can, <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't even see his shoulders. How would you count him up? But the referee counted him out. Yeah. I've seen some crazy stuff, but I'll tell you. The king of the risk takers, who I cannot believe is still alive today. You got to know who that is. That Foley. is Mick Foley. Yes. yes. How he's alive today is beyond me. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. made Terry look like an angel, if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. But Foley's just incredible. I never saw anybody give more of himself to the profession than him. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. He's he's still, I've he still seen walks him pretty time. good. I mean, he's he a what? little bit hunched. He still walks pretty good. I mean, he's a little bit hunched over. Uh, mm -hmm. I just I saw him at Jerry Jarrett's funeral, and uh, he he's like I said he don't have no no cane no nothing like that. I mean, he still walks around pretty good. He's bigger than you think he is too. He's about six oh, three. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that tall. Right. But uh, yeah, he gave his all. I mean, yeah. I've never seen anybody give more. Fall into a bunch of tacks, tacks sticking out of his back, yeah. and I thought, my. God in heaven. I, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. I, I think the, it's, it's a little stupid, really, but, but you got to respect him. Oh, incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the the big fall off the top of the cage and, and all yes. that. Yes. Well, he fell through it. Yeah, yeah. man. That well, you know, I never, like I said, I really didn't follow wrestling after, uh, but yeah. they, I, I watched this program 
about the, this guy that, that Corny hired, this black kid called New Jack. Right, oh, right. And I'd never known anything about him, but I watched the program. My God, this guy's actually knifing people. Oh, I yes. know. We, we and, talk and, about that a lot. And I, I worked with Jack a lot, and I got along with him. But he, oh. never, he never did. He, me and him always had good matches. He never tried to take advantage of me or nothing like that. But, uh, man, some of the stuff he did to the other folks, man, is just, I don't know how he didn't get locked up, for real. I don't either. I, I was stunned at what I saw. And he passed away, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. not too long ago, a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. What happened he, to him? Was uh, it heart? heart. Yeah. 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 He was living in Greensboro. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I never knew him, but yeah. I saw, I watched that program and I thought, oh my God, there, there's stuff on TV right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, while, while we're talking, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch the station right now. It's, it's on, uh, it's on Vice. And yeah, here it is, Dark Side of the Ring. Who is it now? The last of the Von Erics. That must be Kevin talking. Because yeah. he, he's the only one left. Last. He's the last. And yeah. yeah. It's, it's ironic because they just put that movie out. How did that movie draw? Any idea? I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, I think it. I think it did okay, but I think a lot of people didn't like the storytelling element because it was very off. Off, I think is what. And I've heard guys that I trust implicitly say that there were just a lot of things that were not correct. And I mean, that story is a layup, right? You, you, the three of us could get together and we could write that movie, and that movie would be a big movie because it's the story. And I feel like you mess up that story. You're 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 missing the point there. So I don't know. Well, you know, I never knew the father because he was always in uh, in Texas. Fritz von Erich. Uh, he's one of the legends in in wrestling, no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know any of the boys, but 1982. Um, Oli, Oli Anderson was the booker here and boy, he was tough to work for, uh, made my piece. He's still around. I think he's got a bad case of, uh, uh, multiple sclerosis. I think he's around Atlanta somewhere, but I think Oli is still with us, uh-huh. but, uh, but he wanted to send me to Florida. It's funny. I was talking about Stu earlier and there were three referees here, me, Stu Schwartz, and a guy named Sonny Fargo. Right. And, and uh, Oli wanted to change the referees up. He wanted to bring Bill Alfonso in from Florida for six months, and us would each take two-month intervals down in Florida. And, of course, Alfonso would be up here for the full six months. So Stu was supposed to go first, and he refused to go because of that incident that happened with uh you remember that I was telling you earlier, uh, Billy Robinson, where uh-huh. he got his teeth knocked out and he felt the office didn't support him. So he didn't want to go to Florida. So Oli said, okay, well, he's coming in here. So for two months, you're fired. So anyway, I, I'm next. And Oli says, well, I suppose you don't want to go either, huh? I said, Oli, just tell me my starting date. I couldn't wait to get there. Because I knew Oli wouldn't last long because he was hot-shotting the territory. You bring in Abdullah the Butcher, your territory is going to get hurt. And, <laughs> and I knew that. And I knew that. And I went down there. And Dory was doing the booking at the time, Dory Funk. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the guys that had come in was David Von Erich. He was second in line. Ke- Kevin was first. And then David. 
And Carrie, after that, then it was Mike, and then the young one, Chris, who I never did meet. I met all the other boys. <laughs> and uh, David and I got pretty tight. And yeah. uh, and I and I really really like Dave, and uh, good guy, kind of tall, kind of lanky, real tall. He's about six six or seven. Uh-huh. He was taller than everybody, and uh, but the best worker. He was going to be the world champion, mm. and uh, we got to be tight. And then what it was, uh, David was working heel, you mm-hmm. know. In Texas, they're all baby faces, of course. But in Florida, he was kind of like Dory's protege. He was doing a thing where he was calling Dory Mr. Funk and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And David was a heel. So anyway, uh, they, they would come in. Uh, one time, Carrie came in with uh, with Mike uh, to visit uh, uh, David. And Carrie worked. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike wasn't working yet. I think Mike was maybe even still in high school. Mike never should have been in the ring. Mike wanted to be in a rock band anyway. Right. Mike, you okay. know, Kevin okay. Carey and David were all big. Mike was not. And uh-huh. uh, Mike never really, I don't think, fit in. But I really don't know because I never worked with him. He, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he started working, I think, after I got hurt. But anyway, that's how I got to know all of them. And uh, Kevin came in uh, a different, I think Kevin came in by himself. And he teamed up with uh, David a few times. And uh, I I found Kevin to be somewhat standoffish. He wasn't overly friendly. David was great. Carrie was, Carrie was a sweetheart of a kid, but just goofy. Carrie was, he, he'd forget the, all the time we'd be in the ring. Oh, it's finished. What's the finish? Do this, Carrie. Do that, Carrie. I mean, I was telling him all the time. He'd forget the finish. And, and, um, but a great kid, super athlete. Carrie was the best athlete of all the boys. Yeah. David was the best worker. Kevin had movie star looks. He was the handsomest of the boys. He's the only one still left. And he's scheduled to be at the Fan Fest in, uh, Charlotte this year. Uh, He was supposed to be there last year, and he punked out and screwed Marty up, which he should not have done. (laughs) That was lousy, but he did it. Because he's got to fly him all the way from Hawaii. That's where he lives. And uh, a number of guys live there. Johnny Walker, uh, you know, wrestling too. He lived in Hawaii. A couple others, I think. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I got to know all the Von Erics, and they were all good kids, really. Kevin loosened up a little a little bit later on, but David, David was my buddy and he passed away in Japan. He was the first to go. And I don't know what the circumstances were there, but when I knew him in Florida, David was no druggie. He wasn't anything like that. I don't know, but they were good guys. I really did like the Von Erics, but you talk about a curse being on a family. Yeah, definitely. Lord. That's yeah. just unreal, and it just that's that's the reason Kevin went to go uh, uh, went to Hawaii. Just wanted to get away from everything. Yeah, and uh, he's still in Hawaii now. He's got his family. In fact, I'm looking at his boys on TV right now, <laughs> and uh, I hope he's happy. I hope he's at peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt, sure. no doubt. Well, and Dave Manning's still around. He's still around. Yeah. Yeah, I wish uh, you know that you were getting out of the business right when I was getting in at at about 16 years old in 1989, and I wish I was a bad year for me. Yeah, that was it. (laughs) Well, anyway, thank you. Cross paths with you. 
Well, yeah. thank you for all the kind words. It's, it's nice to be remembered. I mean, for God's sake, I have been gone now going on 35 years. Yeah. And it, it amazes me to this day that people remember me because I was just a referee. I mean, usually who pays attention to the referee? You know, <laughs> so I, it, it was I was a little different. I mean, as far as greatest is concerned, that's all a matter of opinion. I will say this. I do feel that I was probably, probably the most entertaining referee. Amen. Uh, that more stuff happened when I was in there with uh, them with the other referee. Sometimes I hot dogged it. I used to jump the top rope and they <laughs> told me, quit doing that because you're hot dogging it. I said, well, yeah, but I'm just trying to show that I'm athletic <laughs> and, and the people love it. And uh, But Crockett told me, he says, quit doing it. And, and there were other things that I would do. I mean, like I talked before about Sweet Hansen. He was big and thick, about 325 pounds, and he would really hit that. Would you give him a turnbuckle? You know, he would hit that turnbuckle so much that the ring would move. Yeah. And I used to, I would take a bump and, and Sandy Scott, who used to be one of our agents messed with me all the time. What are you doing that for? Sandy, stand on a rug and have somebody yank it out from under you and see what happens to you. I mean, I'm standing in the ring and the floor moves. It's a natural bump. Yeah. Well, you're showboating. No, I'm not. I'm showing the people that that guy hit the ring post or turnbuckle so hard. Yeah, that it knocked me off my feet. The boys loved it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Dory Funk yeah. was another one. Dory would hit that turnbuckle so hard, and and that was when I was down there in '82. It's the first time I met Dory. And uh, Johnny Weaver, bless his heart, God, I miss John. Told me that he told Dory, because uh, Dory asked him, How is this guy? And Johnny Weaver told me, He said, I told him that when you get him, you'll never let him go. So that was very nice of Johnny to say that. But anyway, Dory hit the turnbuckle and I went flying because the ring moved. I mean, I would play it by feel. I'd just yeah. stand naturally. And if the ring moved, I'd take a natural bump. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't telegraph it or anything. If the ring didn't move, I wouldn't take the bump. Right. But Dory hit it hard, and Dory was big. He's about 260 at the time, and he loved it because yeah. that's telling the people how hard he's hitting the turnbuckle. All the guys loved it, but Sandy liked to pick on me. He didn't like I had an, I had an ego back then. I got to admit, I did. One time, me and Flair were walking down the hall uh, at the office, and here comes Jimmy Crockett. And I'm in a silly mood that day. And I said, Jimmy, Jimmy, stop and behold, you have in your possession, Ricky Steamboat, the best baby face in the business. Right. Rick Flair, the best baby face or heel in the business. And Tommy Young, the best referee of them all. And they're all yours. And right. Flair's gone, oh, my God, I don't believe this. And <laughs> Jimmy just just looked right through me and kept right on walking. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, great. Uh, it, it was just just a silly thing to do, you know, and Jimmy right. uh, didn't smile too much. He was kind of a stone-faced type of guy, but he really was a good guy, and it was a shame that, that we lost this territory, because my whole career was pretty much here, except right. for the final two years, which was, you know, with WCW, and of course, the first year was with 
IWA. That that's where I got my uh, exposure. That they saw me. But uh, yeah, just so much fun. And uh, entertainment wise, I just loved it. And I I kibitzed with the fans, and they me you know I flipped me the bird and thank you. I am number one. Thank you very much. <laughs> stuff like that. Right. And uh, uh, I remember we had this one guy mess with me every week and and one time he's given me hell and i walked up to him i said you know you're too good a customer i don't want to mess with you and i just walked away <laughs> and, and he kind of appreciated what i said and uh some of them hated me and in the end a lot of them liked me and the last time i repped it was at the fan fest in charlotte and uh, morty Ricky Morton, there's a super guy, one of the yeah. nicest people I've ever known in my life. And his boy, Morty's boy, I forget his, the kid's first Carey, name, but he's working Carey. now. They're teaming yeah. together. Right. And um, anyway, Morty, Morty and his boy were in the ring. I was going to do the match. And I was coming out last. And I come through the curtain, and the people erupted. And, and Morty says, damn, Tommy, you got a bigger pop than we did. <laughs> I said, well, the people like me. I'm so nice to them, and I'm talking to them all the time, and if they want to have a beer with me or something, I don't I don't act like I'm above them. I'm not. I'm just one of them. Right. I'm just a person who got a break. There's nothing special about me. You're only as good as how well you're pushed. And once you're out of sight, you're out of mind. But I just love the fans. And uh, I think they appreciated that. And uh, I, w I would still love the referee, but it's just too dangerous. It's it's pointless. I can't do it anymore. It's, and Earl said the same thing. Tommy, I'm not getting in the ring anymore either. There's just no point. And, um, but I, I wish, I, just to get that pop from the fans, because I sure didn't get any pops when I was repping right, uh, right. during my career. Although one time in Toronto, uh, Toronto was a place, the old Maple Leaf Gardens, where they played hockey. We walked down on a ramp, and the ramp was exactly the same level as the ring. You didn't wow. have to step up. You were, you were right along with the ring. And, of course, the people were sitting down below. And so I, I had done something, probably did something that made the baby face look good or caught something the match before. You know, an intermission, I'm going back to the ring. And they jumped up and started clapping and cheering. And I I stopped and looked at him, actually looked behind me. I thought a baby face was coming up behind me, and that's who they were cheering. And I thought, by God, they're cheering me. <laughs> and and I got in the ring. I mean, you know, because I had done something they were happy with. I mean, sure. you know how the fans are. They're fickle. Oh, they they yeah. love you one second. They hate you the next. Right. But that particular moment, they loved me. So yeah. it, it was fun refereeing in, in Canada. I, I didn't awesome. get a chance to really uh, travel because the traveling was just getting ready to get started when I got hurt. And, you know, Nick Patrick went over to the Egg Dome, and uh, I think it's called in uh, Japan, maybe right. Tokyo. It seats right. 50,000, and it was full. I never, got a I never got a chance to work in Europe or Asia where they had those matches. When we were in Iraq, they had a ring set up in Iraq. Remember that? Right. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. yeah, they. I, I would. It would have been so nice to have done that stuff, but that stuff happened after I got hurt. 
Right. You know, and, and so many of the guys came along that I never got a chance to work with. Uh, Steve Austin and I, we, we had a beer at the Slamboree in 1992. He was still stunning Steve at the time. He was teaming with Brian Pillman. There's a sad case, too. Brian, I loved him. He was a great guy. But uh, Steve was telling me, well, Bobby Eaton told me that Steve was a fan of mine, and we we had a beer, and and, uh, I used to watch you when I was a kid and all that, and look what happened to Steve. Good Lord. I think he actually got over even better than Hogan did. At his yeah, peak, I, I agree. Think he was even hotter, although uh, he wound up having problems. All that beer that he'd be drinking and stuff. I know, yeah. But he, he's a great guy, and and I never got a chance to rep the Rock, but I repped his dad all the time, Rocky Johnson. Right, right. And he just recently passed. So there's, uh, and the Rock's a great guy too. At least he was back then. Sure. Uh, he's got to be loaded now. God, I don't know oh, what the I hell know. he's worth. He's been in no everything. I know. And, I know. Uh, super guy. Yeah. And, you know, some guys that were idiots. Some were great. Memories, memories. I would have written a book, except that so many other people wrote them. Right. And and you gotta you gotta you gotta push a book. You gotta promote right. it. You gotta promote and it. I, I wasn't willing to do all that. So I and and I've been gone so long. Most people don't really know who I am. Some do. You know. I I know you'll probably get. I hope you get a decent response. If you would if you would kindly let me know how they how the responses are see one thing peggy lathan she's an old one of the old fans that died recently she was almost like my girlfriend okay and um she would she knew i didn't do anything on the internet so when people responded to something that i did she would send me in the mail all the responses from people and if people like put their phone numbers down i'd call them up Wow. And it'd be funny as hell because I'd say, could I speak to so-and-so? Uh, sure. May I ask who's calling? Uh, my name is Tommy Young. Uh, Bob, you got a call. Yeah, who is it? Uh, Tommy Young. Who? Tommy Young. Who? Tommy mm. Young. Tommy mm. Young? Oh, here? <laughs> is this a joke? I said, no, this is Tommy Young, and I just wanted to thank you for the kind words. That's I said, there's awesome. nothing special about me, brother. If somebody said something nice about me, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I don't put myself on a pedestal. Uh, you know, I, I, I can understand how the really big names would, right. but not me. Any, right. I, I you know, I, I, I get mail every so often, not much, one about every two months. Usually it's those bubblegum cards. They want me to sign them. Right. Uh, they did those in the mid-80s. mid, mid 80s. Right. I remember uh, Francis Crockett telling me, we're going to make you famous with the, uh, the bubblegum cards. I said, I'm already famous. Make me rich. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about being famous. I want to be rich because... I am not an extrovert. I mean, when I go back to that dressing room, I sit down and I'm just, you wouldn't know I'm there. Jimmy Valiant's the same way. Yeah. The second he hits that door, he goes into character. But right. Once he's back in the dressing room, he's, he's nothing up where it's guys like Corny and Flair. That's them. A hundred percent. That the is them. The, That's the way they, they are. They yeah. are. It's not an act with them. 
that's them. Whereas me, I'm, I'm, I'm in character, but yeah. once I'm out of character, I blend into the background. I don't want people to notice me. Yeah. And it's funny. A lot of people look at me like they think they know me, but they're not sure. You know, right, right. I would have been perfect for one of those, uh, American express cards. You know, <laughs> do you remember me or do you know me? And because I'd have been perfect for that because so many people knew my face, but didn't necessarily know my name because, you know, with all the syndication and stuff, and part of the reason that I'm still well known is because of McMahon's 24 hour wrestling network. Right. See, when he bought WCW, he got all the tapes. He's got the tapes of when I was repping back in the 70s and in 80s. And, and uh, I was at the Detroit Zoo one time because I'm from Detroit. And mm-hmm. my, two boys, my two boys are up there, and I was up visiting. And this kid came up to me at the Detroit Zoo. He's about 25. Are you Tommy Young? I said, yes. Do, do you know who I am? <laughs> and, and he said, yes. I said, I had to retire before you were born. He yeah. said, well, you're all over the wrestling network. He says, a lot of people know who you are. And, and mind you now, that's the only time that ever happened. Nobody has done it since. That was about six, seven years ago. And, uh, but it was startling because, you know, I, 30, 30 years ago, and I was just a referee. You don't expect that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I gave him an autograph and all that. And I hate signing autographs because my penmanship is so awful. Uh, if I could write like Flair, oh, his penmanship is beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. But I'm, I'm a nervous type. I, 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 I don't like to sign my name, but I do it because you got to do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I heard somewhere that my, at one time, I don't know if this is still true, that my, uh, my signature was worth $15. Well, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> $15, man, my big, my damn signature ain't worth 15 cents. <laughs> it looks awful. Nonsense. I, I, I don't believe no, it. Believe me, it does. I, I know a good signature. Well, I yeah. appreciate you saying that, but I know a good signature when I see one, and mine isn't it. But anyhow, okay, <laughs> well, I guess we, we thank can you so much. It's been fun. And I could sit here and talk to you for the longest time, and like I said, if you're willing to do it, man, we'll bring you back on, because I know you got stories for days, but... Thank you so much, Tommy. Really, yeah, it's my uh, pleasure, and, and, and best wishes. Uh, make all the money you can and save it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, sir. Thank you. I know, you know, I know I speak for all the listeners, the millions of wrestling fans that we love you, man. And, and, and it's been an honor to have you on the show with us today. And we just thank you so much, Tommy. Okay. Really. Best wishes. You've got my number. So let me know if anything's up. I will, sir. Thank you. Take care. God be with you. All right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D Anything. And man, Tommy Young, yeah. I didn't know if we were ever going to stop. I mean, I no, love no. Tommy, but man, that brother, his, like I was saying to you between takes there, his stories have mm. stories that veer into other stories. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, man. And, God and forbid. you don't want to cut him off. You know me, right. man. Right. I'd be cutting, cutting them off, and a lot of people have 
and upset that you've that cut I off the best of them. An hour. Yeah. yeah, but I've cut them off, man. But that I just felt, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm respectful of my elders, uh, just general public, and I'm also right. respectful of uh, elders in the business. So it was like a double whammy for me to, to not cut him off. So right, right. Yeah. And that's proof that Wolfie has manners, y'all. So. Absolutely. And and is respectful by God. Yes. yes. But Tommy is great. Got to meet him at the Fan Fest. He ran, raised my hand. Big, big fan of Tommy all my life. And, yeah, just just excited that we got to have him on. And very, very pleased with all the stories. I mean, if y'all are wanting a part two out of him, just, you know, we'll get him. But that's, yeah, you know. Let us know. Don't don't he don't play with the stories though he's got so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well that we've got a few questions here for ask Wolfie and this one kind of works because I think he was a territory referee and I think mm-hmm. this is a good question here so Wonder Bread from Twitter asked this question he says what territory would you love to have worked from the great territory days is there one you had no desire to work so basically the yeah. one that maybe you wish you could have worked and one that eh, uh, I'm okay um let's see i mean just as a kid because see i I only know stuff from what i hear and then nowadays yeah you can watch stuff or whatever so i feel like florida would have been pretty cool i feel like uh you know mid-atlantic continental all that stuff that is you know that's not too far from like uh the memphis style or whatever and no and a lot of it was memphis style regardless i mean exactly i think the only thing that i ever watched that i just was i couldn't get into too much was uh awa um, okay okay i don't yeah. know why i mean they had great talent stuff but i guess just in that time frame it just wasn't my thing when i was watching it you know what i mean um, yeah some of their guys were a little older you know Gagne and all that stuff I just right not into right. those types of uh wrestlers <laughs> yeah yeah but very you know i respect them Right. And I mean, the Road Warriors, the Fabs, Ric Flair, yeah. those guys spent some time there. Bruiser Brody, you know, like there was regulars. definitely. Right. They weren't regulars. You're right. They got action figures out of it. But, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going to kind of throw in something. I almost feel like I could have seen you work in the Portland Territory a little bit, too, man. Yeah, you know, from what little we've learned about it, I could see yeah. Wolfie maybe taking Slash up there or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Jamie's like, no, brother, I ain't going, you know, and you could have to be like, <laughs> OK, well, I'm going to Portland. And I'm going to work this other gimmick, you know, or maybe Stampede, although. I don't know. You maybe wouldn't have liked the cold too much, but you know. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Slash would have been great in world class, man. Didn't they have T. Joe Khan there? Though? They did. <laughs> you and T. Joe could have been buddies. Yeah. <laughs> if that, you know, people used to tell me that. Hey, mommy, T. Joe Khan. They also said. Uh, uh, what was that? Damien Demento. Oh yeah. And, okay. And then, and I didn't really. I mean, I remembered what T.J. Khan looked like, but then I saw something not too long ago of of him, and I was like, man, I, he is kind of slash looking, or I'm kind of T.J. looking. I don't know which one it is. Either one, yeah. He he <sighs> he just had that little mohawk, but the go, the goatee yeah. gimmick was kind of similar. Yeah, you, you know, slash the son of T.J. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slash Khan. Yeah. Slash Khan. 
Yeah, Tony's his brother. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, no. So, so you're saying like Florida would have been a definite win for you? Probably Texas, maybe some too. Yeah, in Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Definitely the weather. I mean, come on. Yeah, but Minneapolis. There anyway. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Right. Come on, give me a. You gonna met up with Bob Cook or Leon down there? Maybe work to you know Al Perez and asked him if you could use the Whirly Bird and stuff and. I wish we could find an Al Perez to get on here. Oh, man, that would be incredible. Yes. Wow. We got to make that happen. Okay. Good call. (laughs) Okay. The next one is from old buddy cause effect on Instagram. And and this is a good one, even though it's not really tying into Tommy young, but I think it works either way. So I know you love kiss, but who are Wolfie's top five rock vocalists? Vocalist. Oh Lord. See, now they think I'm too technical about this shit when it comes to music. Um, let me think. Let me think. A front men, or or am I really the talking voice here? Because a lot of my favorite front men, their voices ain't that great. Especially, you know, I used to love Vince Young or Vince Vince Young, Vince Neil. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. he's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible now. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, he was he was awesome back in the day. But man, I, I was showing my wife phrasing shit. Yeah, well, he's. Like, yeah, he's to that point to where he's just, you know, yeah. oh, man, God love him. Motley Crue's one of my favorite bands of all time. And, man, it breaks my heart to hear that. But, yeah, it's true. But, I mean, I I, I would say let's do front men. Let's because, I mean, I think that's top five front men, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, I got to love Paul Stanley, man. Of course. I mean, the way he's he does great. shit, you know, and he, he's got a good voice. I think He's a damn five octave soprano, man. He. Yeah. Whew, he can get yeah. up there, you know. The beginning so. of uh, Heaven's on Fire. I can't yeah. even. Tell um, but yeah, him, and then I, I liked Axel too. Oh man, another one that just has kind of thrashed his vocals. You know? Yeah, man. Um, uh, Mick Jagger. Um, yeah, still got God. it, man. Mick can still do it. <laughs> Help me out here. I bumped my head the other day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> David Lee Roth. I mean, did you like yeah. him? Yeah. I can't stand him now. I don't even like. I think he's like a, a freaking weirdo, man. Yeah, he is a weirdo. And I really used to like. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget Jump and and Panama and stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, me and my buddies would. Uh, one of my buddies, Adam, we would get uh, tennis rackets, and those were our guitars, and we'd uh, play that song and some other stuff, and put it on little concerts for his parents and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I loved. Uh, I'm talking about the Yankee Rose on his, uh, what was it like a single solo? Album? Yeah. A solo EP or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. And he had on like, he's like going to jungle gimmick or something. Yeah. Had a kill- yeah. Had a killer band, man. It was Steve Vai and, uh, man, just a killer band. So, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good. It's but a good see, and, and my 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 range is not just the you know the metal and the rock. Like I guess you would consider what would you consider Oasis? Because I really like them too. Would you? Oh, they were great, rock? man. Yeah, they're rock. Yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. not like metal and shit. You know? No, they're definitely not metal. They're just like straight ahead rock and roll, man. Yeah, I like them though. Very good band. Liam see, Gallagher. Of, well, I don't consider Kiss to be metal, even though they look metal. You know, I think they. Well, yeah, the, I think they are considered that because I think they were such an influence to so many metal bands. Yeah. I like think they were metal in the seventies and some of that. Sure. Yeah. I they're, really, they're, yeah. I know what you mean. 
I think they were just so influential, like them and Aerosmith and like Zeppelin yeah. and Black Sabbath. I mean, honestly, if you Aerosmith. took all those, yeah, Aerosmith is huge. But I mean, if you took all those bands away, you may not have the '80s music, man. Yeah, you know. Because yeah. I love Aerosmith. So one that to me doesn't get enough attention is the uh, Train Keeper Rolling All Night. All night. Oh, yeah, I love that one, man. I love that one. My favorite one is Back in the Saddle, where he just oh, yeah. like straights up, you know, back in the saddle, my friend. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. He just like screams it, dude. And yeah. 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 Man. But Great yeah, so thing. those are some of my ones, man. And I guess, like I said, sometimes I feel like I don't answer the question as they, you know, I interpret it differently, but I hope that's a good answer for him. I think we went off on a pretty good tangent on that. Totally. And, I, you know, even though they're front men, I think they're also equally incredible vocalists, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you yeah. ever think, like, when you watch, uh, and I, well, I don't know that you watch because I don't, but I do know what's on there. And I, I'm not going to say that in the first few seasons, I might not have watched some American Idol and, the, you know, all these little uh, shows like that. Uh, but, man, I feel like the criteria is held a little higher, man, because I think, okay, if Steven Tyler were a nobody and he came on there, would they, you know, give him the buzzer or, you know what I'm saying? Like some of these guys, they had their own thing, but it, it, do, you, do you feel me on this? I absolutely do feel you. Like, would some of the greatest of all time make it on these right. shows? Like, like if it were yeah. now for nobody, yeah. you didn't know their name and that sound right. of voice, would people go, Oh God. Or would they go, that's, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I do feel like those guys would succeed. I mean, you know, like you take like somebody like Robert Plant from Zeppelin. I feel like, you know, they would have succeeded easily. You know, I would say Paul Stanley for sure. He's he's an incredibly talented singer. You know, like uh, Freddie Mercury would own mm-hmm. the place right oh. now if, you yeah. know, he were doing it. So, I mean, in those regards, yes, I do. But I see what you're saying. Like, you know, you try to think of somebody like who's a generational talent, like Bob Dylan. You know what yeah. I mean? Or Willie yeah. Nelson. Would they make yeah. it? You yeah. know, uh, Johnny and, Cash. And, you know? I, yes, that's who I was fixing to say because you got to love it. But at the same time, it's like it really wasn't that great of vocals. You know what I mean? No, no. I mean, he. George it, Jones. Right. George is the goat, though. Man. George <laughs> is the greatest of all time, but he's such a right. People be like, what? What is this? Why is he saying a that long? Or I went under the table. <laughs> you know, like he extends all of his vowels. And that was the worst George Jones ever. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> it was just like, you know, George. I love George. I think George is in my top five vocalists of all time, personally. Yeah. But, you know, if we're not talking rock and roll, we're just talking music. But George, yeah. to me... I, I totally see what you're saying. Would they, cause he's so real country, you know, right. it's right. so not what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I mean? Like th- there was a kind of like Chris Stapleton, you know, he's more like a soul singer, really, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. as far as the new country singers, he's like a soul singer, but you put that with, with, and really, you know, the country and bluegrass, that's like the white man's blues. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. that's where we came from as yeah. far as, like, our soul, you know? Yeah. You yeah. listen to a lot of that stuff, you'll hear a lot of similarities to the old rhythm and blues and old blues. And I'm yeah. a nerd about music. You'll have to forgive oh, me. Oh, we all know that. It's all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all good. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but I I mean it's true though, man. Like, would guys like that exist today? And it's hard to tell. Uh, you would think that their their talent would come through though, but yeah. it's hard yeah. to tell. So it is. It's just a thought. Yeah, it's a good thought. It made me talk about 20 minutes. Sorry. So, <laughs> well, our, our third and final question of the day is this awesome question. And, and honestly, I, 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 we've got quite a few here, but I, I really just think this is a good one because recently our truth's been very popular lately, you know, mm-hmm. as, as popular as he's ever been. So Jeffrey Stevens from Facebook asked this question. Did you ever spend any time with our truth? Oh, yeah. Just as funny in real life as he is in TV. Yeah, man, I ain't seen him since TNA. Or no, since, uh, yeah, since TNA, since TNA. Um, but yeah, he's awesome, man. I love that dude. He's cool. I wish I could, I wish we could get him on here. Or at least just like talk to him. Right, exactly. Just a conversation with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because. Yeah, man, he's a, he's a funny dude and he's, he don't age and. Uh, I know, I know. Still in great shape, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's like he reminds me like a brick house man, like brick house until the end. You know, he didn't age, and you know he did his thing and whatnot. But he wasn't like a gym rat, right? You know, he just had right. a, 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 I forget which morph it's called, ecto endo whatever, a brick house a morph uh, body type that just is like that, man. Yeah, yeah, just I genetically. Think that's what Ron has. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Very genetically gifted, and you know, I, I, it's just funny this recent. You know what is it? Elimination Chamber deal, mm-hmm. and they had it in Australia, and and they shoot a video of him sitting in a car like he showed up in Austria, thinking yeah. he was where he was going. That's funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he's just he's funny all the way around. I mean, do you? How much time did you get to spend with him when you did? Uh, quite a bit. We hung out a little bit, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Before shows and things like that, but. uh yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of Elimination Chamber, I just finished that up. I watched the replay of it uh, this afternoon. I, I thought it was pretty good. The the men's gimmick was good. And, sure. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, man, but I just think uh, God, I, mean, I might get heat from some people. I don't think I will. But uh, Nia Jax is terrible. I think. <laughs> no, uh, you won't get any heat from anybody. I don't. And think. like, yeah, I don't think she's that good. She might be a sweetheart of a girl, but. Uh, uh, man, to to bring Rhea is over Rhea Rhea is over as she is to her home, you know, country, and put her against her. Mm. Yeah, because match the match. The only thing that made the match was Rhea. Just looking how she looked. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> there was a few decent, you know, little whatevers, but uh, really it was just because she was in her um, home country and she she looked phenomenal. Yeah. You yeah, she looked great. But, I think uh, that was like her Hogan Andre. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like they just wanted to put her over with this gigantic woman in front of yeah. a live crowd in front of her home audience, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, man. I I, I just think it was... second guess of the book and all we sure. want. No, but right. I, 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 I get what they did. Like you just said, I kind of, you know, she's this big and nobody... I think even the heat with the people is kind of real, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think they feel like, uh, like sort of like we do, but it's different nowadays. I don't know how to explain what I'm saying there, but uh, I think the heat's a little bit real. So yeah, <laughs> who else could they put with her that right, right would have had a totally one sided, uh, you know, cheering section or whatever? Exactly. I think that was the truth. I mean, that's just it. But unfortunately, you know, it would have been nice to see her against somebody who could have given her a little more of a match. But you know, yeah. 
whatever. Naya. I'm pretty sure you say you ain't watched it yet, so you ought to check it out just so you can I, confirm I, my uh, opinion of this match. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's the only match I haven't watched because, to, to be honest, brother, I watched it live because right. I was working on this podcast, right, we're doing oh, right okay. now. So, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, yeah, we, you know, long story short, yeah, that's what's up. Story but, short. <laughs> well, this has not been a short podcast as no. Uh, we we've kind of uh, put in some time this week. We usually we go over we didn't we usually don't go over on our time, but we did today. So hope everybody's yeah. still with us and we appreciate you joining us today for uh, Mr. Tommy Young and uh, we got some people on the uh, you know on the lookout here. We're trying yeah. to get arranged and scheduled and all that kind of stuff. A few good ones. Um, very cool. Yeah, I'm very excited. Of course, I, I don't think I would book anybody on here that wasn't a good one. Uh, right. But, right. Uh, or I didn't yeah. think was going to be a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So at any rate, folks, we are going to check out and uh, we'll catch you next week. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. The podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics, to superstar interviews, to action figure expertise. This team does it all, and all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, booty and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact 
contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging. Don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping Wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop Been doing it like this since 92 Played low for a while when you thought I was through Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later Not here to play games, so you better beware You don't like me, so what? I really don't care Like the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped When I'm finished I'll straight knock you out Please allow me to tell you what it's all about Gonna wind it up Then I'm driving it home It's Ruby D, baby Huh I got a cap for your dome I got a cap for your dome You got a cap for your dome You got a cap for your dome This has been a James Rock Street production